good morning, church. Apparently, I brought my hype team, but it's really just my youth students, so thank you for that. Um, but yes, happy Mother's Day. Um, I know this day is a, a day to be celebrated, and Dina kind of hit on it, but it can be so challenging today. Sometimes this is like the best day ever. You're like, I am so excited. I get to be pampered a little bit. Um, for the record, pamper your mothers every day. They deserve it. They put up with a lot, but um, not just one day a year, but there's this moment where it can be the worst day too. There's people in this room that, you know, um, it feel, doesn't feel like Mother's Day. You know, the, whether they lost their mom um, and lost a parent like I did, and you don't have that figure, or you're going through fertility issues, or there's all these things that you can list. It can feel so isolating. It can feel alone. But happy Mother's Day to you guys, too, because I promise you God redeems all things. If not, like, there's a testimony. Every part of my testimony, I can point to a moment where I said, oh, no, that sucked. I feel abandoned. This is stupid. Like, what's happening here? God, come on. Um, like, Usually, um, but there's this moment where God redeems all things, too. And that's part of my testimony, too. And usually I try to be unnoticed on this day. They asked me last year, and I said no, and I actually went on vacation, so I wouldn't even be here during that time. So I was like, you can't ask me if I'm not here. Goodbye. Um, didn't work this year, sorry. <laughs> but usually I try to be unnoticed. If I am here, I'll try to sit in the back, sit away, sit to the side and be like, okay, no one look at me. So if you guys would do me a favor this morning, no one pay attention to anything I say today. That would be great. Um, I'm just kidding, please pay attention. But um, God redeems all things and that's kind of why I'm up here too, is there's not this moment where I can look as Mother's Day is very hard day still for me, but there's moments I can point and pinpoint and say God has redeemed it because he's also sent people in my life that have acted like mothers to me too. So I want to say happy Mother's Day. Let me be personal for a second. Happy Mother's Day to my mom, obviously. Um, I lost her when I was 18, but also to my grandma, to my sister, um, to my mother-in-law, to Michelle, um, to Dina, to um, Melanie, to uh, Kathy Houle, to my Aunt Laura. These are all people that have stepped in my life, and I know I'm probably missing so many mom figures in my life. I could probably look out in this crowd and say, thank you for stepping in and being a mom to me. Um, but there's they've redeemed things, and we're, that's kind of what we're talking about this morning. I can go into and say, this is probably not a fluffy Mother's Day message. I'm sorry, <laughs> but mothers are strong like a mother. I'm sorry. <laughs> if I get fired for that, please don't. <laughs> mothers are strong. Um, so in that moment, God redeems all things, and it goes through this thing where it comes to these people, important people in my life. Um, and so it's a different message. We're going to be talking about this generation, the generation that is rising up underneath us, and it's not just one, it's the multitudes of generations. It doesn't matter how old you are in this room. We're talking about making disciples in this room. You know, there's people that have stepped in my life that have led me to significant moments. In high school, if you knew me in high school, would never hated public speaking. We had to do this thing called Senior Project, was, was talk about yourself 10 minutes where you were past everything. I literally was like hyperventilating. I don't think I made it to the 10 minutes. I think I got marked down for time because I didn't go for 10 minutes. And then God called me to be a pastor and this is kind of like a full circle moment in this moment. But literally there's people that believed in me that saw no matter what the things that I was going through, the people, the person I was in high school as a young adult and all these things. And they helped disciple me to get me where God called me to be. 
you know, um, we're talking about today the concept, the Moyen point is we're making disciples, we're not making clones or exiles. And what I mean by that is you kind of hear the word cloning and can be like, okay, but aren't clones disciples? Aren't you supposed to be like Jesus? But the thing is the disciples weren't exactly like Jesus. They weren't. They came from all different backgrounds. If you know some of them, you're like, you know, for sure they were not like Jesus. Like, come on, some of them. But there's this moment where they were not exactly like Jesus, but they were following and walking hand in hand with the Father. And you can go and you can moke, like, make this point and say, hey, they're clones, but we're not cloning our religion or our relationship with God. We're launching them into something else. And we're not also making exiles. Sometimes when we don't understand something or someone or a generation, we say, okay, you stay over there. Like, I don't understand you, so you stay over there. Have someone else reach you because I just don't get it. And we can do that with generations under us. You know, it's just hard to that. I'm not, obviously, some of you guys are like, well, she's not a mom, why is she speaking on Mother's Day? I'm not a mom, I have fur children, that's about it. They are children, for the record. <laughs> um, I count them as them for now. But I'm also, like, I'm a youth pastor. I spend a lot of time with this next generation. I've served in every different part of the gen, uh, next gen areas in our church. Um, and I'm telling you that it is hard to be in this generation because you can have really good parents, solid parents, and them still not have a clue what's going on in their students' lives. And it's, sometimes it's like that's that moment of, we gotta make disciples, we're not making clones of ourselves. Um, I have a few statistics for you guys for the next generation. 46% um, of Gen Z are engaging with their phone 10 hours or more a day. 48% of Gen Z are stressed out and unhappy. 70% of Gen Zers watch average of two hours of YouTube videos daily. The average attention span of Gen Z consumer is eight seconds. That's crazy. First of all, hey guys, pay attention real quick again. Bring it back. So eight seconds, that's all you have is eight seconds. And then it continues on, and I can go through all these statistics, but I'm gonna hit on the one that really breaks my heart, is suicide is the second leading cause of death among ages 10 to 14, and the third among 15 to 24. You know, we can look at this generation and say, I don't know what to do with them, they're so depressed, they're so anxious, they're, I don't understand them, I don't understand their culture, I don't understand why they're on their phones, I don't understand all these things. I mean, I just don't know what to do with them. Or we take it and we say, okay, so you need to stop doing all of that and you need to do exactly what I do. And can I just tell you that neither one is the right method necessarily? You know, we're not making disciples, like we're making disciples, we're not making clones or exiles. We need to get better at making disciples by telling them exactly, not telling them who they should be and what they should do, but telling them who they are. Because sometimes we can say, no, you shouldn't do that. You should just stop doing that and your life will be fine. Hey, you're anxious? Well, stop. <laughs> when did that work for anyone? Like, if I told students that, they would just walk away. They'd be like, are you kidding me? You don't understand anything. Literally, they, it's just this moment where we say, we need to just show them who they are. We think it's our job to just like, you know, our listen to them, to try to change them. But that's not our job. Our job isn't to try to change them, it's to give them their God-given identity. 
you know, we can go and we can focus on these things and say, okay, but if you just change this part, this generation's good except these A, B, and C, so if you just fixed it like my generation, then we wouldn't deal with that. It's like, no, that's not the real thing. We can go through this and we have to just uncover their God-given identity because we don't have all the answers for everything on this earth. There's so many things going on on a daily basis that they have access to on their phones. And it's not just Gen Z, it's Gen Alpha that's coming behind them, it's millennials. All these things that we can say we don't understand, we don't relate, that's not what they're looking for. They're not looking for people to change them. They're looking for literally God's identity in them and we have to be able to reveal that to them. I hear it all the time when people are like, hey, I thought about being a youth leader but I don't really relate to them. So I'm not gonna like be a youth leader. I'm like, first of all, one, I don't relate to them all the time. You guys think I'm lame, let's be honest, it's okay. It's, they're laughing, but they do. They tell me to my face I'm lame. It's okay. I just will have therapy later about it. But in this moment, you can go through this thing and you can say, I don't relate to them. They don't need someone to relate to them. They have their peers. They have their friends. They have people to relate to them. They need someone to guide them to truth. And so many times we're like, yeah, but I don't even know how to start a conversation. We're just revealing them to, like truth to them and so many times we can be put off and say, I don't want anything to do with this generation because I don't even know where to begin. It's okay, in this moment it's not, I'm not supposed to be the coolest youth pastor because I'm very, very far from it. I'm not gonna lie, I'm pretty lame and I'm awkward and I have a dry sense of humor. So it all goes over very badly sometimes. I'll be standing there and they're not laughing and you're like, okay, moving on, going through this. But there's this moment where you have, I am called to reveal truth to the next generation. And that's what we're all called to do. When it's called making disciples, we are supposed to actually make the disciples and not just say, oh, someone else, this is someone else's problem. They're not a problem, they're not a burden. They're the next generation of the church. You know? There's this time where we can look at it and we can focus and we can say, I'm either taking on this burden, it's not a burden. The generations before us did the same thing. But yet sometimes we look at it and be like, I don't understand. One of the hardest things we're gonna have to learn as a church body is we're raising up this generation, we're not passing our religion, we're launching their faith. It's hard. We're not passing on our religious practices. We're not passing on this is exactly what church has to be. We're launching their faith because I promise you, they're gonna reach the next generation behind us in a way different way than we ever even imagined. We're not launching or passing on our religions and oftentimes we don't wanna give up our normal. This is comfortable, this is what I know, this is you know um, what I go through, this is how I see church, this is how I see the future church and you can go through that and say this is our normal. But those universal things, yes there are universal things that are truth. I will say there is biblical truth that this is truth and you know, but that's not the religion things I'm talking about. I'm talking about where we pa pra like pass on our religious practices and say that's truth, but it's not. We're not trying to get them to fit the mold of um, who they're supposed to be or who we think they're supposed to be because all the times I guarantee people even um, I'm on the middle version of, I'm half millennial, half Gen Z, I'm in the in-between. Weird, some of you guys are like, I thought you were 16, so this is awkward. I'll take it, I'll take 16 years old. 
the amount of times I go on trips with my students and they're like, where's your leader? And I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm right here. I'm just 5'2". Um, but the amount of times that people are look at me and they're like, they're just, you're on your phone all the time. What are you doing? And they don't know that I'm actually ministering to students. And we can look at the next generation and say, what are they doing? They're just so anxious and they're depressed and all this stuff. But there's a difference, you know, in this saying that, hey, they're asking for help. They're not just saying, hey, we want to live like this. We actually think anxiety and depression is really cool and we would love to stay here. Said no one ever, like no one would ever say that. They would never say that they actually want to stay there. But yet we say, look at them and say, I just don't understand it. Those dang kids, this next generation, all this stuff, you know. If we're going to talk a little bit, if you have your Bibles, we're going to Mark 7, and I'll give you a little bit of background before the Pharisees and some teachers of the law were coming to Jerusalem. They were gathered around Jesus, and um, they saw the disciples eating um, with hands defiled, which was unwashed, and they literally, this is what their conversation with Jesus was afterwards. Um, so it talks about it. It's in Mark 7, 5, if you're in your Bibles. It says, so the Pharisees and the teachers of the law asked Jesus, why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of your elders instead of eating their food with defiled hands? This next part, first of all, I would, be, I would die inside, um, but he replied, Jesus replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites, as it is written. And I'm going to pause there first. If Jesus called me a hypocrite, I would need 10 to 12 business days to process it. And then probably about 40 years to fix it. So like the amount of times that if I would be like, oh. Oh my gosh, you're right, I'm so sorry. But in this moment, he continues, he said, these poor people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. You have to let go of the commands. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. And he continued, and you are a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. Moses uh, for Moses said, honor your mother and father, and anyone who curses their mother and father is to be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares that um, what might have been used to help their mother and father is Corbin, it means devoted to God, then you no longer let them do anything for their father or mother. Thus you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down and you do many things like that. I know that was a big ch like chunk of scripture, but it's literally calling them hypocrites because they're saying one thing and they're saying these traditions matter. And God, like Jesus is literally saying, you're passing on your own traditions that you created to worship me, but that's not what I'm calling you to. And sometimes we get so caught up in passing down our own traditions, our own things that we say, this is how you do church. This is how you love God. This is how all these things, and I'm not mistaking that for fundamental truth. There is fundamental truth, but there are these things that we say, this is how you do it. And he's saying, no, you're actually being a hypocrite because you're passing down and you're not seeing their own faith that they're gonna launch into to reach the next generation behind them. And sometimes we get so focused on that and say, no, this is the only way you can do it. If you go outside these parameters, you're like, that's it, you're cut off. But it's not. And sometimes we care more about passing our religious practices down than reaching this generation to launch them into a great purpose. And it's gonna look way different than we imagine. It's gonna look way different because guess what? Culture changes. The generation coming up behind each generation is way different than the one before. I'm gonna let you know, Gen Alpha, kinda weird. I'm not gonna lie. 
Our, <laughs> I love them so dearly. I love our new sixth graders. But I don't under, it's way different than our Gen Z. It's way different and it just changed in a generation. And guess what? If we care more about our religious practices of handing it down, we're gonna not be able to reach Gen Alpha because we're gonna get so caught up in this is exactly how you have to do it. But it's not. We, we hear religious practices and routines and sometimes we make, mistake that for truth. And it's not. But it's not despite the truth, but it's in accordance with truth. It's in accordance with biblical truth that we are passing down a faith, not a religion. We're meant to create disciples and not spiritual clones, and sometimes that gets hard, to create disciples and not clones or exiles, because sometimes we're like, okay, I know how to fix this generation. If they just do exactly what I tell them to do, they're gonna be great. But it's like, how well did that work out for myself? Like, <laughs> clearly, that I still have things to work on, and it's we don't have all the answers. But sometimes most people are more scared of this generation, that they don't know what to do with them than they are um, the heart that breaks to reach them. We get more scared of this generation than when our heart breaks to reach them, and it should be the opposite. I'm gonna tell you, they can be scary. Anyone who has ever worked in any kind of next-gen ministry is laughing right now, and I'm going to tell you, they're laughing for a reason. If you've ever had a student just bark, and you have to explain it to parents, and you're like, oh, no, they're fine. It's, it's just the thing they do. Like, it's just, don't worry about it. New family, come this way. Like, I've had a student get up on, we used to have a counter in the youth room if you ever walked in there. They were on the counter, we had just ended service, where I was walking a new family in the door to like show them the youth room and say, so service just got out. There's a student on top of the counter, screeching like a dinosaur, and you're just like, oh, <laughs> no worries, this is just the thing they do, no big deal, just... <laughs> anyway, the stage is this way, you know, this kind of thing. But they can be scary. Yes, they can. They have also ruined sandals for me. My feet, my dogs, they're not out up on the stage. They're not. Some of you guys are like, what are dogs? It's okay, ask your students later. Um, but I will not be wearing sandals in front of my students ever again. They've ruined that. And just even just this thing where you can say, I have to apologize for this one to my parents, to my dad, to my mom, to anyone who knew me when I was 18, because I have officially, even as a youth pastor, have gotten the, I'm 18, I'm an adult, I can do what I want, <laughs> and I'm so sorry for when I said that when I was 18, because I get how infuriating it is now, and you're like, no, you can't, you're going to be tried as an adult, good luck in life. And <laughs> I don't say that to your students, I'm so sorry. I actually give them good advice. But I wanna say that because I get how infuriating it is and we can say, this is a scary generation. I don't know how to reach any of that. They bark, they tell you they're 18, all this stuff. And you can say, I don't want anything to do, but we treat like this generation as if they're fighting a different enemy. But they're not. It looks different, it's presented in different ways, but they're not fighting a different enemy, so are we preparing them to fight, or are we saying good luck because I don't understand? Because we can get caught up in that. We can say, you're on your own, I, I don't know what to do with this. Or we can say, I believe in this generation, I believe, I know the enemy you are fighting, I know the face, I know the name, and it may look different and it may present in a different way, but I'm gonna help you prepare for battle.
but we're not making their clones. We're not making a carbon copy of everything we did. If I told a youth student, hey, this is exactly my walk with Jesus from point A to now, I want you to do everything in that. First of all, we as a generation, if we did that to our students, to our kids, anything, would we have to leave parts out? Because I feel like some of us would. I would have to leave parts out, be like, okay, I messed up there, so don't do that, and then continue on. But are we like going through this and we can say, hey, I'm not making a carbon copy because guess what? You are gonna do a different, um, you have a different destiny, you have a different purpose in life than I do. And it's gonna look different, just like the disciples. It looked different. They were all walking, literally walking hand in hand with Jesus, but it looked different. And we have to treat this generation as if they are walking hand in hand with Jesus, because I promise you they are. I see it every week. They are on fire for the Lord every single week. They are one of the most creative generations. They have a passion to reach their like, friends. They have a passion to reach this community. And yet sometimes we're like, oh, but they're not walking hand in hand with Jesus because their lives, you know, they're dealing with all this stuff, so they must not be. As if we weren't dealing with stuff too. You know, the Bible says, um, there's a saying in the Bible, if you've read Esther, you kind of know the story, and it says, perhaps you were born for such a time as this. And so many use that as like a hoorah moment, like, yeah, perhaps I was born for such a time as this, but that's a really strong promise from God. Like, that's a serious promise from the Lord, because I don't feel equipped a lot of the time to be born for such a time as this. But God said, not only are you doing it for yourself and not only are you born for such a time as this for the purpose I have for you, but the purpose I have for others around you, that your purpose is gonna impact. It doesn't just end with me. It's not just a, perhaps you were born for such a time as this for myself, for my own purpose, because my purpose impacts the others and it impacts them launching into their purpose. It's not just a hoorah moment, but it's just a promise. It's a promise that just for others too. So Joshua in the Bible, if you know their story, he was not the same leader as Moses. They had the same enemy and the same giftings, but they, how they carried it out was different. Same with Elijah and Elisha. Elijah, if you don't know, it was, um, if you heard the, mount, the story of the mountain of Baal, that was Elijah. And Elijah, Elisha, wow. I should have picked two other names, man. Um, Elijah, Elisha wasn't the same leader. And if you go, um, for example, um, Elisha was following Elijah every time, every step he went, everything that he was doing, everything he was doing for the Lord, he was like, I'm staying with you. So any parents in this room or anyone who is married or anyone who just goes to the store and would just like to go in by themselves for a second, you know how many of you guys have no grocery shopping and you'd rather go not with your kids? No, just me, okay. I don't have kids, but I'd rather not go with my husband. So we have a Costco, <laughs> we have a Costco membership. <laughs> First of all, I love Costco. You know, this is not sponsored, obviously, by Costco. But I love Costco, it's a great store. I would rather go to Costco by myself. 100%, it is so much easier. We spend way less money if we go to Costco. If I go by myself, there's not someone saying, hey, how about this, every second of the aisle. So, <laughs> hey, why, this looks good. Don't also go when you're hungry. So my worst nightmare is going to Costco with my husband while we are hungry. It's that moment. It's so much easier to go alone. 
all the time, it's so much easier. But sometimes we're called to go with someone and we're called to have this moment of accountability in this sense and we're raising up the next generation. Anytime I go on a youth trip, anytime we stop at a gas station, there's this moment where it's so much easier if I just have to run in real quick instead of have to get 30 students back in their van, make sure we have everyone. And then there's that one kid that bought four energy drinks and we say thanks a lot parents for sending them with money. So like there's this moment where we can say this, but we can also say this, um, it's easier to go alone, but some, we're not meant to go alone. Um, but we're also not meant to have them replicate every single thing that we do because they are launching them into their own calling. So Second Kings um, 2, when the Lord was about to take up Elijah to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elijah were on their way to Gilgal. Elijah and Elisha stay here, said to Elisha, stay here, the Lord sent me to Bethel. But Elijah said, as surely as you live, as the Lord lives and you live, I will not leave you. So he went down to Bethel. First of all, I'd be like, can this kid leave me alone? Like, this is, this is crazy. The company of the second prophets of Bethel came out to Elijah and asked, do you know what the Lord is going to take you from your master today? Yes, I know, Elijah replied, so be quiet. Um, Elijah said to him, stay here, Elisha. Um, the Lord sent me to Jericho. He then said, surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went to Jericho. And this continues on, and it says, when he... Um, when they crossed, um, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me, what can I do for you before I am taken from you? Let me inherit a double portion of the spirit, Elijah replied. And then he asked a difficult thing. Elijah said, yet if you see me when I am taken to you, it will be yours, otherwise it will be not. And it's this moment where Elijah wasn't creating an exact clone of him. He's saying, stick with me and I will help guide you. I will guide you to the truth. I will walk with you. I will lead you to the Father. We have these moments and I want to do greater things. And sometimes when we're making clones, we're setting them up to only reach where we went. But in this moment, he was saying, you're going to go farther than me because you're going to inherit a double portion of what I had. And we have to start creating a generation to inherit that double portion. So some of you guys, and it continues, and I know they're a different breed, 100%. This next generation is a different breed. But Elisha in this one, in a few, like in the next chapter over, it talks about how kids made fun of him and for being bold. And then he prayed and a bear come and unlive the kids and literally just destroy them all of a sudden, you know? And you can go and you say, that is a different breed, was not the same leader as Elijah. Um, both you know, a little sarcastic in my opinion, but um, it's not just that, it's a launching point for the next generation. They're not your exiles though either. Sometimes they get written off because we say, I don't understand, that's someone else's problem, you know, all these things that we can go and list all these things like, oh, you know, um, your children's pastor will probably take care of that. I don't get it, so you just good luck with that. And we can say that, but there's this moment where we say they're not someone else's problem. It's that saying then, perhaps we were born for such a time as this. That's coming out right then. Um, Saul the Paul. You know, um, Saul had just set, sent these murderous threats against the Lord's disciple. He's going through this. Um, he went to the high priest and actually asked letters um, to say, like, anyone that um, belonged to, they call it the way, it makes me think of Star Wars, but anyone belonged to the way um, that he can take them as prisoners, anyone in there, and it's going to this thing, and it went over um, 
he actually met God as he's walking. He met God um, and heard his voice. He got blinded. He took away his eye scent, and he wasn't eating or drinking for three days, and this is where it continues and picks up. So it's Acts 9, 15 through 17. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument. Proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how um, much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me to you um, so that you may see again and be filled with Holy Spirit. Immediately the scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and he was baptized. Um, after taking some food, he regained his strength. First of all, I'd be terrified if someone said, He is joining us, I'd be like, No. He just threatened to kill us a bunch of times. It was different. It looked different. And they, I would be tempted to exile him to say, no, he, he is probably just a like, ploy. He's probably actually going to come back, and he's not actually changed. And sometimes we can exile something we don't understand how God is using. And we can say, no, nope, there's no way. There's no way this is going to be redeemed. There's no way he is just messing with you because he's probably going to kill us in our sleep. It's probably what I would go to and be this. But the thing is, God saw a purpose in him. He saw it. He knew the plan. And he wasn't an exile just because people under, didn't understand. Sometimes we're more scared of the differences of this generation than the idea of preparing the generation to fight. Because trust me, they're fighting. Whether we're showing them how to or not, they're fighting. And we have to be part of showing them how to fight. This isn't at all saying, wow, you guys are bad parents. You guys are bad generations above them. Because I'm guilty of this in ways too. When I don't understand something, I'm like, oh, how are we ever going to figure this out? Maybe they'll just figure it out on their own. But we're launching the faith of this next generation and we have to be part of it. This isn't saying you're bad parents. This is saying you're crucial crucial to the success of the next generation. And it's not because, hey, you're messing up. It's because, hey, they really need you. They just need someone to actually listen and not try to relate, not try to be cool, not try to all this. They just need someone to guide them to the truth. And not in a condemning way, not in a, if you would only just fix your generation, you wouldn't deal with this. And to say, of, I see what God's going to do in you, and I may not understand it, but I know you're going to reach generation after generation after that. You're not only needed, but you're wanted. So I had some students um, write some letters. One letter that I'm going to read is a generation to you guys wishing what they would see in you guys, what you would see in them. It says, dear older generations, I wish you would see that we are a generation who loves Jesus. I wish you would see that we are wanting to create and change the world. I wish you would see that we are not glued to our phones simply for entertainment, but as a tool. Just because we don't talk doesn't mean we're upset or don't understand something. We are a generation that wants to seek the Lord. We, are gener we aren't just anxious and depressed. We are a generation that is on the brink of a breakthrough. The next letter that I had, that I had them write of something to say, hey, what would be something you want to say to the next generation that you wish that you see in them? And this is what they wrote. They said, dear older generations, we need you. Even if you feel that a lot of the time we don't give you enough credit and that we take everything you say for granted, we yearn for your wisdom. 
we seek comfort in the words that you say, even if you don't exactly see it. You pave the way for this generation and people just come later. And we greatly appreciate that. You not only have fought for yourselves, but you've fought for us too. Your words and actions teach us a lot. We examine how you love God and how you serve others. We see bigger pictures and how you give us that. We thank you and we, um, we thank you and everyone before you for being here and leading us. Love the younger generation. Students wrote that to you. Students see good things in you. They see that they want to be like you. They see that you've paved the way and they're just asking you not to give up on them now. It's hard. Sometimes we don't understand and we're like, no, if you just do A, B, and C exactly like me, you'll be fine and you'll figure it out. But we're not meant to make clones. We're launching their faith because I promise you they're going to do greater things than us. And that doesn't mean we're not gonna do great things. You are gonna do great things and perhaps that great thing that you're gonna do is raise up a generation that loves the Lord more than you. Perhaps the great thing that you're gonna do is launch a generation that believes in God and that's serving him, that's changing what we see in the idea of church, that's gonna reach generation and create a trickle effect. Perhaps you're raising the generation that is gonna bring revival to the earth. And sometimes we say, but if they just would do A, B, and C, it would be so much easier. But that's not what we're meant to do. We're not meant to create clones. And we're not meant to exile them because we don't understand. The, there's a saying, kind of, um, if you've ever heard it, that this generation is standing on the shoulders of us. They're either standing on our shoulders or they're going to have to climb their way past us. And we get to decide which one it is. We either get to decide if we're going to allow them to stand on our shoulders and we're going to lift them up as far, like as far as we can go, as high as we can reach. I'm only 5'2", so that's not very far, but it's gonna, we're going to try. But in, we can either do that or they're going to have to climb their way past us for a generation that's just saying, I don't understand. I don't want them to climb their way past us. I want them to have the most leverage that they can to be prepared to fight even bigger enemies for the generation that's coming behind them. I'm just going to leave you guys with that thought. Are we preparing a way to have this generation stand on our shoulders? Or are we just saying, oh, hands off, I don't understand? Or please, just if I beg you, just do exactly what I'm telling you to do. But how many of you guys, when you were that age, listened to exactly everything that your parents said? Don't lie. You know, it's okay. <laughs> well, in a minute, we're going to have um, altar workers come up. And I know this is a not your typical Mother's Day message, but this next generation needs you. They really do. And not only do they need you, they want you. Even if they say, hey, please go away from me, please stop. Yeah, every time, I promise though, they want you involved. And not just to tell them exactly what to do, they don't need that. Just to guide them to truth, to listen to them, to try to understand. But I also know that this day is hard for people in general. That some of you guys in this room are struggling. Some of you in this room are struggling because you're longing to be a part of that. You're longing to be a part of a purpose. You don't know where you fit in in all of this. 
Or you're in this room and you're like, Mother's Day is just really hard because I either this is my first Mother's Day without my mom, it's my first Mother's Day without my child, or it's your hundredth. It doesn't get easier. I'm not 18 anymore and Mother's Day still sucks for that reason. And some of you guys in this room are dealing because you're longing to be parents. And you're longing um, and you're wishing and there's things that are happening and obstacles in your way. And in a second when um, altar workers come up, I'm just gonna challenge you guys that God wants to do good things. He redeems all stories. You know, there's not one part of me that still wants to be up here on Mother's Day, but I know I'm called to a generation and I'm called to impact not only students, but parents, because I know that you guys are crucial to the success of the next generation of the church. It's already here. Sometimes we can say maybe one day when, when they take over, then everything can change. It's already here. The next is now, right now, already happening. And we get to be part of it. It's not, we don't understand it, so we don't wanna be part of it. It's, we get to be part of it. So I'm gonna pray, and I'm just gonna challenge you, if there's anything that's going on, anything I didn't even mention, if you just need prayer, um, altar workers are gonna come up to the front and, um, get prayer it's hard this day's hard but we're not meant to do it alone and we're not meant to go alone and we're meant to also be not only with people in front of us raising up us we're meant to raise up the people behind us so god i just thank you so much for each and every person in this room we just pray for the things that are going on in lives um, we just pray for the um, people that are this day is just hard we just pray that you would just touch hearts, that you would just show that you redeem all things, that you're purposeful, that everything you do is a particular plan and um, you have good things for us, even amongst the hurt of the world. And we just pray that you would just be in, give them peace, give them joy today, give them um, ideas of why today can just even be redeemed. And we just pray for those too that are just um, longing to be parents we just pray that you would just um, do only what you can do, that you would just give them ways that they can also um, just be parents to the next generation too, that you would also just any fertility issues or anything like that, that you would speak directly to them, that you would give them peace, you would give them guidance on what to do. We just pray for the hurt in this room. We just pray for the next generation that's rising up, that we would see them exactly how you see them, that we wouldn't see them as the, um, maybe the hope of the church we would see them as they are the future of the church and we cannot wait to be part of it we just pray for the parents and the grandparents and the aunts and the uncles and the older siblings in this room that you would just um teach them exactly just how to love the generations below them you teach them that they are crucial that they have wisdom to pass on that they're not meaning to just change everything about this generation but they get to be part of guiding them to the one who changes all of us and we just thank you for what you're doing in this room. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys can stand to your feet. You are dismissed, but altar workers are coming to the front if you guys need prayer for anything.